Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. Good day to you. This is Brad Zockel, and we're talking about heaven. We're talking especially now in this new series about the book of Revelation. A fearful book to somebody that might not understand the benevolence of the Lord and the wonder of the Lord and how God the Father wants us to be his children. And he has a home for us, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that when we die, the Christian goes home. Isn't that amazing? When you think about it and you take a look at the different face of the world, I can't hear any other one in my recollection that would say that when you die, you go home. And here, the intimation all through the scripture is, well, you're a pilgrim here on earth during this life, but then, but then you're really going to your real, true, loving life of abundancy. John 10.10 says that Jesus promises us that we will have life and have it more abundantly, and it tells us also that we're going home. John chapter 14, Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's home. There are many places available. I'm going to finish it up, and when I'm done, I'm going to come and get you and take you with me. Now, during this past Christmas season, we lost my father-in-law. He was living with us here in our house here in East Tennessee, And he was like a father to me. He was very, very precious. And in his declining time, he had lymphoma. And then COVID uh, struck his 85-year-old body. And he degenerated very, very quickly. Robert was a believer in Jesus Christ. And he had just lost his wife. My mother-in-law passed away after a lengthy illness of over a decade in May and so he was going under, undergoing a lot as well and looking at eternity himself. Well, COVID pneumonia struck him. And by the time we got him to the hospital and they diagnosed him, he was already declining. And within six days, he was gone. During that time, there was a, the, the physical pain and the, the speed of everything was so hard on him. He was having problems breathing that he asked us to stay with him. And so my wife, Jill, and I spent alternating times on uh, 24-7 watch over him. And so I would literally stay in the hospital with him, sleep on one of those uncomfortable chairs. I mean, bless the hospital. They're trying their best. But it's kind of like trying to sleep on a recliner all night. But all through the night, about every two hours, Robert would call to me. And sometimes he would say, Brad, just talk. And just 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 share with me, let you know, and, and I could see that he was under a great agitation in his body, and it just went so fast. And so we would talk a bit about uh, his life, but we had no idea that this was going to happen this fast. And then he was gone, and this really struck us very deeply. As a matter of fact, I can freely tell you right now, we're still mourning. It's only been a uh, three and a half months since he's been gone. But during that time, I started realizing the importance of us to understand and be in uh, great comfort because of the promises of the Lord. 
because really the doctors and the nurses said there's nothing else we can do. On this life, there's nothing else we can do. And then you started realizing as you're standing there next to the bed or sitting there next to the hospital bed of one dying and you realize earth has done everything. This system has done everything it can to contain this body, to give it life. And it's just beyond that now. Now you truly see this one in front of you getting ready for eternity. And thank the Lord that Robert was a believer in Jesus Christ. And so I'm watching him decline and preparing for eternity. And we were with him in his last minutes. We were with him in his last seconds as the machines all shut down slowly and just showed that his body was, uh, his life, his soul was leaving this shell, this body. And I hate that. I hate thinking about death. I don't like it. It's dirty. It's messy. It's painful. And the one joy that I can find in digging through all of this is in knowing that Robert is in heaven in the joy and the comfort of the Lord is also our perspective on earth. When I take a look in Revelation 21 and verse 4, and it says, there will be a day when death will be no more. We'll never have to worry about the grieving of separation with our Christian brothers, sisters, relatives, everybody that's here, the believers. It says in Revelation 20 and verse 14, that death is cast into the lake of fire. So Revelation 20 and verse 14 tells us something unique. Death dies. But I like this one because it's so, oh, I would say unmannerly, impolite, um, undignified, I guess you would say. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 says this, death gets swallowed up. Death gets swallowed up. It doesn't have a victory anymore. And that Greek word is katapino, and it just means galumphed up. It just gets swallowed. There's nothing dignified. Uh, It's just one massive gulp, and it's gone. And I love that, because that's the way it should be. This has been the fear of man down through the ages. Satan has used this as an intimidation against us, and it's done. It's done. We start thinking of eternity as we look in Revelation. Psalm 100 and verse 5, that God's love endures forever. It's with us now. It will be with us in eternity. He will love us forever. We're going to a place of love. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20, it tells us of the blood of the everlasting covenant, which tells me that God's promises will never stop. He's promised us eternal life as we've made our commitment to him. We made a covenant with him, giving him our lives, believing on Jesus Christ, dying, raising again, and being our Savior, and following him in in proof of that. And he's going to keep his covenant with us, that we have eternal life. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 11, it says that we will enter into a kingdom, an eternal kingdom. It tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 16, this happens because God has the eternal power. Are you getting a pattern here? Everything is under... See, Isaiah 57, 15, it tells us God inhabits eternity. So we're seeing this new concept of time or non-time being introduced by God and for us to grasp as much as we can the tail end of this definition too. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24 talks about us having an everlasting righteousness. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 6 says that God's ways are 
everlasting, eternal. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 16, it tells us of the consolation, the encouragement that we get. Well, it's everlasting. So when we look in Revelation chapter 1, we're not looking at something that's fearful. We're looking at promises, the revelation of Jesus Christ. We talked about this book is unveiling Jesus Christ. That's Apocalypsis. That's the title for the book of Revelation in the Greek. Apocalypsis, the unveiling of who? Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. And God sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this book, and also this, and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. That word near is engus, and it means at hand. It means at any moment, and what we call in the Christian circles the imminency, the imminent return of Christ. This is the uh, it's even more than a warning. It's a promise. We can look at it negatively and say, you better be ready. But also, it's saying this as a promise. You will be blessed. Okay? Now, what's that word mean? It sounds like it's something that comes across, you know, very pious. But blessed really means, the easiest way I can tell you is, blessed is makarios in the Greek, and it means spiritually satisfied. You will be spiritually satisfied, spiritually happy, content. See, right now, I think in your life and my life, there are things that we're, we, we have discontent in so many things. We, we could use a raise at work, or maybe the house. We're paying the mortgage on it, and we're trying to keep up on that, and then something happens. The roof leaks, the toilet breaks, or something like that. And uh, we see discontent on things uh, along this line. And then spiritually, oh, if I could just be closer to the Lord. Oh, my prayers don't seem, I just wish I had more contentment over the things in my life. It's like what Paul says in Romans chapter 7, this body will just not cooperate. I want to do right, and I don't, and then I want to avoid the sin. I end up doing it, and he just gets so frustrated. Well, the Bible says here, listen, there will be a contentment that is coming, that is an eternal contentment. Blessed are those who read this and understand the importance of looking at eternity And then in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 7, it repeats it. Blessed, as you're reading these things that you have just read. So it's bookended with blessing. This is a good book. It's not a scary book for the believer. It is a book of warning to tell others that they might understand and enjoy these things. Let's continue on through here as we're looking at this too. John to the seven churches which are in Asia grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Do you get that? Three is the number of completeness. This is the perfect number. Completeness, wholeness. You just had the introduction talking about eternity, past, present, future. Grace to you and peace from God who is, who was, and who is to come and from the seven spirits. Now, follow this. We'll talk about the seven spirits. Are there seven different Holy Spirits? No, 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 no. This talks about the manifestation of the spirits, and I'll explain that in a little bit, okay? Uh, From the seven spirits who are before the throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Boy, this has given us some introductory detail about what Jesus has done. Remember, we're talking about this Jesus, and he's made us kings and priests to his God and Father, 
To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then he mentions the Father. And to the Father, we're saying kings and priests, to his Father as well. Now, let me say something before I go on here. It's saying this. So many people tell me when I'm teaching this, I just am happy to get in the gates, to just be in heaven in peace. And, and, and I agree with you. I agree with you. That would be true. But the Lord says, oh, you have no idea what I have in store for you. And he tells us, well, for one thing, I'm going to make you a kings and priests. All right, what are you saying? Well, let's just put it this way. He's going to give us positions of honor in the life to come. On the new earth of Revelation 21.3, as well as in the present heaven, there are people being given honor. Are you serious? Well, Revelation chapter 6, the martyrs, for example, are given clothing of honor. And there are rewards given out, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, to those based on what they did on earth. Luke 19, as you're, you have been faithful on earth, you will receive honor in heaven. Well, you see it right here. The second thing I wanted to show you here is it just gave you the Trinity. It just mentioned the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It mentioned Jesus, and it mentioned the Father. So many promises here that you see uh, on this. This is revealing Jesus, but we many times somebody would say, show me the Trinity, and you see it right there. In the opening of this 66th book, the only prophetic book in the New Testament here, the only New Testament book, which you've looked back in the, in the first verse, which has been brought down by an angel to us. This is an amazing, amazing truth that we see here. Okay? Now, as we're going into this, then you saw this one uh, powerful uh, truth here, and it talks to you about the seven spirits. And so what does that mean? It's not really a difficult thing to understand. It's saying this. It's giving you the seven blessed characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Seven, as you know, is the number of completion. We see sevens all the way through this book anyway. We see that there are seven angels that are uh, giving out judgments. We see three sets of seven judgments. We see the seven uh, stars in the hand of Jesus. We see seven, 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 all the way through here. And this is also talking about this. This is talking about the completeness of the Holy Spirit. I'll give you a reference on that. If you go back into the Old Testament and you will see that it tells you in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2, Isaiah 11, 2 says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. No, you have seven things here, spirit of the Lord, wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, fear of the Lord. And what it's saying here is, as you see this member of the triune God, you're seeing what the characteristics here in this from the seven spirits who are before the throne. And then I want to remind you that over 40 times in this book, the word throne is used. Greek word is thronos. It's really been a transliteration from that word. It's talking about authority. So we see one of the aspects of this is Jesus has authority over this. He is the faithful witness. We can rely upon the fact that Jesus is a witness who we can rely on. Faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. 
He is the prototype of what happens whenever we die. This is an idea, an example, a prototype. We take a look at this, a new car, and we say, this is an example of the line that will come off the assembly. Well, this is Jesus, who is the firstborn, means the pro- not the first one in line born. It's the prototype of what happens. So what happened? Jesus raised from the dead. He's in heaven. He has eternal life. He was a man. And now he is eternal. And he's saying, here's my example. You are going to do this. As in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. This is the promise of Jesus. And listen to this. This just opens up the book of Revelation. We are going to experience a lot of powerful things in here, but I want you to remember there are so many people, whenever I teach this series and I teach these classes, that they get so far down in the weeds with little detailed things which seem to be most important. I'll tell you the biggest one that I get, probably the most asked question I get is, will we have pets in heaven? Now listen, I don't have a problem with that. But it seems that that's the first and foremost. I imagine if I was in a conference room with people, I said, put down your most important question about heaven, I would receive the pet's question. Very few times do I have people say, tell me about Jesus. Tell me about what he's going to do, what he has done. Tell me about the celebrations. Will there be a holiday for Jesus in heaven? Will there be week-long celebrations, month-long, as we could use the new term of time, in heaven for Jesus? What will he be like? How, how much time will we get to be with him? Will he still look like that? Will he still carry the scars? Um, if he's like this, and I look at this description in Revelation chapter 1, is this the way he'll look for eternity? And so I, I just want us to get an idea on this. Friends, let's not forget this. The, the most important thing as we are entering into heaven is the one who made it possible. And our prayers today ought to be, thank you, Jesus, for the access you have made, which we read about in John 14. He is the way, he's the truth, he's the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. And he's making that possible, and we're able to enter there. All right, we're going to move on in our book of Revelation, but I want you to see the Jesus, the unveiling of this one, Jesus in Revelation. Thanks so much. We've got a lot to do in our book of Revelation. Use these for your studies, for your small group, For your church, I would pray that you become a great Bible teacher within your assembly. Pastors, use any of these notes. You're more than welcome to plagiarize all these. I don't need any attribution. You can't copyright God's Word. Thank you so much. Let's talk some more. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N dot org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.